Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the last show of 2019. You know all the corny, goofy jokes you get. We'll oh, see yeah. you next year. We won't see you next year. It's simply a result of a calendar. It's not the chronological next year. So you will not be hearing that joke on this show, even though you just heard it on this show in an effort to make fun of the joke set on this show about the joke I heard yesterday in the gym, too. Everybody's telling me, see you in the gym next year. No, you won't. It's just a calendar thing. Stop with the joke. All right. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Uh, Speaking of awful jokes. Speaking of all, uh, I I could be doing better, dude. You wouldn't be. Listen, I got fined $5,000 by the Talk Radio Commission for inflicting comedic pain I'm, I'm serious. That thing was awful. It, it was really it bad. And I'm not covering that. I'm sorry. No, it's you okay. You are a contractor. You're going to have to cover that yourself, I got, my friend. I'm sorry, all, pal. The Nevada Gaming Commission calls me and said, all bets are off as far as me being a comedian. And then late yeah, last yeah, night. Yesterday, well, you, yeah. you were on a roll, which is the saddest part of it well, all. I fell off. I mean, you were on a roll of, of, <laughs> of, of six to ten solid nine out of ten jokes and yesterday you just blew it with your eel joke which took me all day to figure out even this morning we're trying to get it listen to yesterday's show at the end yesterday and and ordinarily we would cut that out but folks i was not giving joe a pass no i was not giving her that joke was staying in there to show you that joe is not perfect and joe has his bad days too that wasn't even a two out of ten. That was like the mega force of awful. jokes. Remember that movie, Mega Force? Yeah. It was the, the Ishtar of jokes. It was so I'm sorry, bad. folks. I apologize. <laughs> it was horrible. That's all right. You see, Joe's human. He's and he apologizes, unlike politicians who refuse to do it. Thank you, Joe. We still love you. Oh, We're just thanks, messing guys. with you, folks. I know you all love producer Joe. It was actually, you know. It was not funny, but it was funny <laughs> because it wasn't it funny. Was it was like that movie Over the Top with the arm wrestling. It was great because it was bad. <laughs> All right, folks, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. What better time? You know, you have these uh, New Year's resolutions. What's, I mean, 90% of people have a resolution that involves something about diet or getting into better shape. This is the best time. Jokes. To go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan and pick up a bottle of foundation, the single best nutrition supplement I have ever taken. Paula loves it. Joe loves it. Little Joe loves it. Eh. My nephew loved it. He wanted to drive up from Fort Lauderdale one time. True story to get an extra bottle of this stuff. It is called Foundation. What is it? It's a creatine ATP blend. It will help you look better, feel better, and perform better. It is the equivalent of having about two extra gas tanks in the gym and throughout your daily life, even if you don't go to the gym. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll give you a look. You will love forever. If you don't believe me about this product foundation, all I ask is you take the, uh, the seven-day mirror test. Give it about five to seven days to load. Take a little mental snapshot of what you look like in a mirror. Try a bottle of foundation. Come back five, seven days later. Check it out. You're going to be like, damn, this stuff works, and it works great. It gives you that really full uh, muscular look, that ripped look. I love this stuff, foundation. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Check it out today for the new year. Best product out there, foundation. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. All right, Joe, let's go. Ah. Okay, folks, I've got some really serious stuff to address today in the beginning of the show about what's going on in Iraq, but I've got some stuff coming up in just a minute I do not want you to miss. I, I got to be honest with you, in a moment of candor, I'm a little upset it's the end of the year and these holiday shows, despite how great my audience is, holiday shows and pre-holiday shows, the audience is always down a little bit, yeah. 5 to 10%. Mm-hmm. 
I was going to hold this show for Thursday, but I can't because it's a really important show. Hat tip to my buddy 279 about some explosive information about Spygate. I think what's coming out and I don't want you to miss it. So we're going to put this out today and I really encourage you to listen to shows. Before we get to that, I'd be remiss if I didn't note there is an ongoing demonstration. There's been some violence outside. I want to be hyperbolic about it. But uh, at our embassy in Iraq, it's a serious situation. Uh, we'll have some, some video you can see in the background here. Um, but you've, there are some protests here. Folks, listen. I, I know the president is on top of this, unlike what happened in our special mission complex in Benghazi uh, under the dreadful administration of Barack Obama, where our people were left there to die. That's uh, a, a terror attack we should never forget about, despite the Obama administration trying to disingenuously make it about a video. And remember, Having done this and worked overseas often in my prior line of work, don't forget, there are contingency plans for this. I know the Trump administration is on top of it. I know, again, unlike the Obama administration, um, they are going to do everything they can. God forbid the situation escalates. No, you know, no, no need to panic right now, but there is. These, these they could turn violent or, or extremely violent at, at the snap of a finger. So stay on top of it. And remember, as I wrote my first book, we have these teams, these foreign emergency support teams. These teams can respond and are trained to handle these types of situations along with the military personnel on the ground. So that is going on right now. We'll stay on top of it on the show. Obviously, we'll be reporting on it. But I know the Trump team is on top of it. We have teams. And that was always my beef with the Benghazi situation is having worked overseas. I know there are contingency plans, ladies and gentlemen. If you think for a second... U.S. military and security forces, diplomatic security service and others overseas, that the plan if an embassy is attacked is to do nothing right. like what happened in Benghazi, then I'm sorry, but you're an idiot. That is not the plan. I know what the plans are. There are contingency plans for this, and I'm sure they're being implemented now. Okay, moving on. So I, I got some information this morning from our one of our better sources, the 279er, um, and I was going to cover today, given that it's the end of 2019, what may happen in the coming year, some predictions over what what happened, what was, I want to cover some of uh, President Trump's achievements in 2019 that will parlay into the 2020 election. But I also want to cover what I think is going to be coming out in 2020. And one of the biggest stories about Spygate, if we can just put the lead of the story first, is this. Folks, this was an intentional effort to disrupt the Trump campaign. Now, you may say, oh, Really? Like, of course, we listen to your show. We already know that. <laughs> Excuse me. Folks, that's still not the narrative that the media is willing to put out there. The media folks, Natasha Bertrand, Devlin Barrett and others, the media folks that were in on this Spygate thing, working with the deep staters and the leaks to coordinate the story, are still insisting that this was somehow a legitimate probe. Listen to me. It was not. This is important. I know it seems... Like, this is your big break? Uh, no, I have evidence and I'm going to show you documents and stuff that's going to blow your mind. But this is the story. I can't tell you this enough and I don't want to lose the lead in context of what I'm about to put out. This was never a legitimate operation, neither criminal nor counterintelligence. It was always an effort to stop President Trump from being elected and when he was elected to sabotage his presidency and lead to impeachment. Please tell me you understand that. The evidence that this is the case is now piling up dramatically. Let's get to it. Folks, there is a, so remember, keep the headline in your head. 
This was never legitimate. It was always an effort to sabotage a campaign and sabotage a presidency. Everybody got that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's start laying out the evidence here. Let's go back to this New York Times article. And I want a hat tip at Thunder B on Twitter. Always uh, attribution is appropriate. This is where I, I, I found some of these articles and that's where some of these highlights come from within the article. So good job on that. Not enough people properly attribute that in this sort of space, in the content space. And I always hated that. It happens to us all the time. But follow this article, okay? This is a December 12, 2016 article by Matthew Rosenberg at the New York Times. Michael Flynn is a harsh judge of CIA's role. Now, keep in mind what we're talking about here. This was a deliberate effort to sabotage the Trump campaign and the people involved in it. Why? Well, you're probably thinking the answer is obvious. They just hated Donald Trump. Yeah, folks, they hate every Republican. The media are liberal activists. And I don't believe that Trump was the only campaign they spied on. Again, that's why I call the scandal and many others uh, refer to it as Spygate, the title of my first book, and not Trumpgate. Having said that, it was not that they hated Trump that was the impetus for them to spy, folks. This article we just put up at the New York Times, remember, Flynn, Mike Flynn, Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, became an open advocate for Donald Trump about halfway through his campaign. And certainly by December of 2016, it was well known that Mike Flynn was going to have a role in the Trump administration. He was talked about as a VP pick. Remember that, Joe, for a long time? Yes, I do. The only thing I think that stopped that or put a halt to that was his position on abortion at the time, which didn't comport with a lot of conservatives, uh, me especially. And I think that's the only thing that really put a stop to that. But Mike Flynn was being discussed as a potential VP. So now we see, can you put up that headline again? Now we see this article comes out in December 2016 that Michael Flynn, who is going to be a prominent figure in this Trump administration if it happens and is a prominent advisor to Trump during the campaign, is, quote, a harsh judge of the CIA's role. Now, these underlines, again, are at Thunder B on Twitter, but this is from the article. Here are some devastating quotes about the motive as to why the intelligence community and the law enforcement community, notably the FBI intelligence branch, why they had such a uh, love Jones, let's call it, for Donald Trump and why they were like, we got to get this guy and his team and we've got to stop them now. Quote from the New York Times article. This is Mike Flynn being quoted, talking about the CIA. They've lost sight of who they actually work for, Mr. Flynn said in an interview with the New York Times on October 15th. That's suspiciously hard to find right now, by the way. They work for the American people, the CIA, Flynn said. They don't work for the president of the United States. He added, speaking of the agency's leadership, frankly, it's become a very political organization. Mr. Flynn's assessment that the CIA is a political arm of the Obama administration. Listen to this. Let me read this again. Listen, again, we're getting to motive. Why? Why? We know they hated Trump. Why did they spy on him and his team in an unlawful investigation with no predicate? Despite what the IG report may have said. Mr. Flynn's assessment that the CIA is a political arm of the Obama administration is not widely shared by Republicans or Democrats in Washington. The swamp didn't like that, folks. But it appears to have been internalized by the one person who matters most right now, Mr. Donald Trump.
Oh, we got more. You're not going to want to go anywhere for this show. So again, what's the lead? This was always an effort to sabotage the Trump campaign, later the Trump presidency. Always. It was a reverse-engineered crime. By reverse-engineered, folks, I mean they had already established. Audience on Budgeman Joe, step up right now because I need you now more than ever. Mm Mm-hmm. The people who wanted to take Trump and Flynn out because he was a unique danger to them, their jobs, their careers, everything they'd invested in in the intelligence community. The people who wanted to take him out were going to take him out no matter what. And they were going to fabricate the evidence later. In other words, they found a, a crime and manufactured evidence rather than the way it usually works, which is someone brings evidence of a crime which leads to an investigation. Yeah, okay. This all went in reverse order. It was a constant effort to backdate, fill in missing plot holes, fabricate information where they couldn't find evidence, all because of what? They were going to conduct an investigation into Trump to spy on him and his team no matter what. The evidence was engineered later. Mm -hmm. I say reverse engineered because that's not the way any of this works. Sorry, I'm distracted a little bit by Donna Brazil on Fox right now. I have no idea what she's doing. She's got like a tiger cup on the air. It's very weird. That's what I'm looking at. (laughs) My apologies. They were always going to fill in missing pieces of evidence, even if they had to fake it. Because Mike Flynn and Donald Trump terrified them folks i've been saying this since episode 628 understand that this was never legitimate it was an effort to sabotage these people because they were highly suspect of what upper level people at the cia were doing flynn's clear as day in that quote he suspected that the cia had become a de facto political organization and not an intelligence one working on behalf of the obama administration that must have terrified the obama administration because flynn was the head of the dia and must have known all of this the defense uh intelligence administration agency excuse me mike flynn was an upper level intelligence official in the obama administration can you imagine the damage he would do as vice president or some upper level individual in the trump administration exposing all of the spying and the malfeasance Mm -hmm. the obama team had been involved in for for political purposes not intelligence once the quote is white right there mike flynn the cia become a political arm of the obama administration Now, showing you this was always an investigation in search of evidence, never evidence in search of a crime and then an investigation. They kept manufacturing this stuff as their motives and the evidence failed to produce anything on these people. Let me give you a quick example. Again, hat tip to my uh, buddy 279 here. The official story that we've heard forgive me for repeating this, but it's important from the FBI over and over is the investigation started into the Trump administration because we received this tip from Australia, a friendly foreign government about this meeting. One of their diplomats, Alexander Downer had with the Trump campaign official Papadopoulos where Papadopoulos 
allegedly told Downer about Russians wanting to help their campaign out. That's their official story, the FBI. Yeah. That tip allegedly comes in at the end of July. The investigation then starts July 31st. Wow, that's convenient, Joe. They got this tip. They opened up the investigation next week. What's not to love? Sounds right to me, right? And they say to double down just to show you we didn't start this investigation because of this dossier from this guy, Christopher Steele, which was political. Just to show you, we didn't even receive that stuff until September 19th. You got it? Uh-huh. They built in their yeah. own alibi. We right. didn't receive the Steele information, Joe, to September 19th. And we opened the case on July 31st. So it's not even possible that political information from Steele laundered by Brennan's CIA had anything to do with this. Because we didn't get it, the FBI, until September 19th. Is that really true? Well, again, let me put out the lead for you first. Again, proving this was a targeted operation against the Trump team that had no basis in fact. All there was sabotage the whole time. All of the stuff was built in and filled in later on. Should I show you this first? I'm trying to think of how to do this to explain this the right way because I don't want to be confused. Let me do this for what's that? Show Paul is like, you will show it the way I put it in a computer. She literally just said that. Shows you who I work for in this place. This company's called Bongino Inc. It should be called Paula Bongino Inc. Okay, let's do it the way I should. Let's show you this photo of the IG report first, because I want to show you some interesting dates, keeping in mind the whole time. The official FBI story is they didn't receive Steele's information until September 19th. Got it? Okay. Put up this from the IG report. This is fascinating. The FBI, quote, opened Crossfire Hurricane as a counterintelligence investigation, an umbrella counterintelligence investigation. That's important. Without identifying any specific subjects or targets. Wow, that's kind of an open investigation card. And that's special. FBI officials told us they did not immediately identify subjects or targets because it was unclear from the friendly foreign government information, the Australia tip, who within the Trump campaign may have received a reported offer of assistance and might be coordinating with the Russian government. Again, that was only an excuse to spy on Carter Page, folks. That's nonsense. I covered that in a prior show. By August 10, 2016, remember the date, by August 10, 2016, the FBI had assembled an investigative team of special agents, analysts, so-and-so, the Crossfire Hurricane team, and conducted an initial analysis of links between the Trump campaign members and Russia. Based upon this analysis, this is on August 10, 2016, the FBI opened up cases on three U.S. persons, Papadopoulos, Carter Page, and Manafort all of whom were affiliated with the Trump campaign at the time the cases were opened. Listen to this. On August 16th, folks, just six days later, 2016, the FBI opened a fourth individual case on Michael Flynn, who was serving at the time as the Trump campaign's national security advisor. So they waited six days to open up a case on Mike Flynn? Or was this about Mike Flynn the entire time? Remember, don't forget, 
Mike Flynn is the one in that New York Times piece in that 2015 New York Times interview cited by the New York Times 2016 piece I just put up there. Mike Flynn is the one saying, hey, we got a real problem with the CIA, folks. Mm. It's become a political organization. What do you mean? Like a political organization that uses paid for political information from Hillary in the form of the dossier to open up cases to investigate people? And Mike Flynn was about to expose that? Yes, that guy. So they wait six days to open up on Mike Flynn. Are you sure of that? Or maybe, Joe, Mm -hmm. maybe they opened up investigations on those three, knowing it's BS, Papadopoulos, Carter Page, um, uh, excuse me, Papadopoulos, Carter Page, and Manafort. Remember, they've already closed the case on Manafort. They investigated him in the past, the FBI. Mm -hmm. They closed the case due to lack of evidence. Carter Page, they soon know, is working with the CIA to nail Russians to the wall. He's not a Russian spy. And George Papadopoulos, they don't even interview until the following year. That's how unseriously they took this tip. So you're telling me they opened up on those three, cases on those three, despite knowing what I just told you, that all three were not working with the Russians. They know that on August 10th. Well, I don't get it, Dan. If Mike Flynn is the target, well, why open up three cases on three incidental figures they know aren't working with the Russians and then wait six days to open up on the guy they really want, Mike Flynn? Mm -hmm. I just answered my own question. Because that's the guy they really want. Look, shiny red object, Uh squirrel. Let's open up on these three first. That way, when we open up on Flynn later, it won't look like this was about Flynn the whole time. Now, what evidence do you have of that? Come on. Well, you know I never throw anything out on the show without evidence. Let's look at the dossier the FBI tells you they didn't get till September 19th. Well, this is really small handwriting here, but I want to put it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But here is a dossier, and this this is, well, what is this, 101? This is memo, memo 101. Remember, the dossier is a, 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 um, a series of memos Christopher Steele wrote that the FBI swears they didn't get till September 19th. We now know most of that is untrue because, as I discussed last week in the IG report, the IG report actually cites them getting information as far back as the spring of 2016 from a guy who closely remembers Steele, closely resembles Steele in his business. So you can throw that story out the window, but this is fascinating. In this memo 101, look who's mentioned at the top. Matter of fact, it's the only time he appears in the dossier. Who is it, Joe? Joe's like, I don't know. My eyes aren't that good. And frankly, either are mine. But Mike Flynn, there he is. Oh, you're good. Look at you. <laughs> All right. You are good, Paula. Let's read the summary. Just one bullet from dossier memor, uh, mem, uh, memora, memorandum, excuse me, 101. Spit it out then. Kremlin's engaging with several high-profile U.S. players including Stein, Page, and former DIA director Mike Flynn, who makes his one and only appearance in the dossier, and funding their recent visits to Moscow. Wow, all of a sudden, this guy working for Hillary and the Democrats produces this dossier that falsely implicates Mike Flynn in a scandal to collude with the Russians. Oh, let's look at the date on this baby from page two. When could this have possibly come out? This dossier. 
Put out page two if you don't mind. August 10, August. 2016. What are the chances, Joe? <laughs> what are the chances of that? Gosh, that's crazy yeah. talk. Crazy how that's happening. It's crazy. Crazy talk. <laughs> Nuts, Joe. Yeah, they. This memo randomly appears. The FBI swears they didn't see any of this until September 19th. Mm-hmm. Of course, September being after August for the liberals who are watching, you know, have a tough time with that kind of stuff, calendars and all. But on August 10th, as the IG reports indicates, they open up a crossfire hurricane case on July 31st. But on August 10th, they open up cases on three people they know aren't related to the Russians at all. And they know it's a fake collusion hoax because they know Carter Page is working with us. They know Papadopoulos isn't even a serious target because they don't even interview him until the next year. And they've already closed the case on Manafort in the past. But they open up those three cases in a look squirrel moment because what they really want to do is open up a case on Mike Flynn. But if they open up a case on Mike Flynn, on the dossier information they got on August 10th, it'll look like they opened up the case on August 10th because they got the dossier information on August 10th. Yeah, baby. Yep. Sorry, Paula. I think I just ruptured Paula's eardrum. We may have just blown the Adobe audition file out of the water. Yeah, you gave me some work. Yeah. No, it's good. I put, yeah, you may have to compress that <laughs> or else the eardrums at home will pop too. It's still working. Yeah. You dig? Yeah, baby. Yeah. Are you picking up yeah, what yeah. we are putting down? This case was the August 10th dossier that they said they didn't get till September 19th. They needed evidence on Mike Flynn. Why? Because they wanted to target and spy on Mike Flynn, not because they thought he was working with the Russians. What's the problem? They didn't have evidence on Mike Flynn. He didn't do anything wrong. So, Joe, if you don't have evidence to open up a case and you really want to take a guy out, what do you do if you're a corrupt, crooked cop? We're going to make some You up. just manufacture yeah. it. There we go. I read there was a, a book a while back about the priest guy used to work in the seven five. I think it was called Brooklyn Bounce or something. And the Brooklyn Bounce was back in the day when there was some corruption in that precinct. If they thought they had a criminal and the criminal threw away the gun, yeah. a gun would magically appear at the scene. Uh-huh. I'm not suggesting this is funny or good, but it was they called it the Brooklyn Bounce. Like they knew a guy was engaged in a shooting, in other words, and say the guy throws the gun and runs. And then they arrest the guy and like, wow, we found a gun. Not good. Seriously corrupt. But it, they called it the Brooklyn bounce. Like the gun. I'm crazy how that gun just bounced into the crime scene. That's what you do if you're corrupt. You manufacture evidence. Somebody probably went to steal Joe and said what? Listen, man, we opened up this case on July 31st. Right against yeah, a man. blanket case, as the IG report says, this, this umbrella crossfire hurricane case. Right. So now we can do whatever we want. We did it because of you, Steele, because the information we got. That foreign, friendly foreign government Australia tip, this, that story's crap. Just disregard that. They got that back in May, as I showed you in last week's show. All right. Peter Stroke and Lisa Page are clearly texting about something to do with that tip in May. It's garbage. They know it's worthless crap. They're clearly spying on Trump because of the political information due to Steele. Ironically, the very same thing Flynn in the New York Times article is quoted as warning America about, that the CIA has become a political arm of the Obama administration. So what does the Bureau do? They take political information from Steele on August 10th. Well, we can't open up on this, on this case on August 10th on Flynn, Joe. It'll look like we're targeting Flynn, who's targeting us. 
So let's open up a case on these three, uh, these three low-level guys first. Well, Manafort was a campaign manager, but we don't have information. But let's just open up on them anyway. And then we'll open up six days later on Mike Flynn. So it'll look like we got information on those guys first. And then Flynn, right. not the actual dossier dated August 10th. Fortunately, though, good sources have come forward for us to expose this whole thing. And now you know what is not being covered in the mainstream, what is not being covered in the mainstream media, which is, again, for the 10,000th time, what is going to come out in 2016 is this. I had to write this down because I wanted to say it clearly. This was a deliberate plot to sabotage the Trump campaign to keep him from the White House. When he won the election fair and square, it was another deliberate plot to constantly search and spy on the team, to fabricate new evidence, to keep the president from succeeding, and to impeach him as well. This was never, ever a legitimate investigation. The May meeting with Papadopoulos and Downer that allegedly starts this whole thing, May 10th. A cable is sent the next day from the Australian embassy about it. To the Australian embassy. I have no doubt the State Department knew about that because May 11th, the next day, there were suspicious texts from the investigators involved in this case. And it appears they're talking about some information they're getting from the State Department. And they're worried about it late at night. They get that information. I'll bet they investigate it. They find out it's nothing. This Papadopoulos downer meeting is a big nothing burger. They hold it. They keep looking into Steele's information. They're dealing with Steele way earlier than they're telling you. I, I, I will bet you they're dealing with Steele as early as the spring of 2016, if not earlier. The problem is Steele isn't producing anything they can verify. They get desperate. Around July 31st, they decide to retroactively go back and act the insurance policy. They say, listen, in that meeting with Downer, Papadopoulos said... Uh, allegedly to Downer that the Russians want to help us. Well, now we know this Carter Page has some dealings with the Russians, even though it was on behalf of the U.S. government. Let's use that as a reason to open up the case. And we'll claim that's our reason, even though it was a dossier the whole time. They get this new memo, August 10th, from, from Steele. They open up on these three in an effort to conceal their efforts to spy on Flynn, which was their targeted goal the whole time. Does that make sense, Joe? Yeah, I mean, and, uh, to me, everything's getting clearer and clearer and simpler and simpler at this point. Yeah, it is. It's it, you know, it's funny. You're right, and 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 I'm glad you said that because there's just a point of clarification to the audience. The details I understand can get a little murky. Thanks, at times. Dan. Yeah, there you well, go. Well, the Downer meeting was on May 10th. Yeah. The FBI's texting each other on May 11th, but they said they didn't get the Downer tip until July. That's a lie, folks. It's all a lie. That all the de forget the details for a minute and just remember the lead. This was an effort at all times to sabotage the Trump campaign and constantly fill in evidence holes they had, which were everywhere because they had no evidence Trump did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. So they need to investigate Flynn. How do we fill that hole? We got to get evidence on Flynn. There is no evidence on Flynn. Go to Steele and have him make it up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. August 10th. Let's open it six days later, though, and pretend we didn't do it because of steel. Let's open a case on July 31st and pretend we did it because of the Australian government, even though we've been talking to steel the whole time. That's all this is, is a reverse engineered crime. That is what's going to come out in 2020. 
All right, let me move on to some other stuff. There's a lot of stuff to cover, but please spread this show around because that is the most, that August 10th dossier memo is devastating. You're telling me they get that on August 10th, supposedly, from Steele and his people? I know they get it. They're lying. They have it. The IG report is conclusive that they're dealing with someone as early as the spring of 2016 who closely resembles Steele and his company. Unless the FBI had another bogus source, they got some explaining to do. This was always a fake reverse engineered crime. Always, the whole time. That's what's going to come out. That this was deliberate. This was never predicated. This was always sabotage. All right, some other news. Let's give it, a, you know, I don't like these year in review kind of shows. We did a best of last week, uh, which was some of the best of our segments. But some of these like best achievements of 2019, but this one's worth it. This is a good piece by Steve Cortez in Real Clear, which talks about some stuff that Trump accomplished in 2019 that are important. I'm not going to go through every single one of them. You can read it in the show notes today. Um, please, I humbly, with the greatest of respect, ask that you subscribe to our newsletter. The show notes will accompany the newsletter every day. And we have a Twitter feed too, at DB Show Notes. I think that's it, right? If you want to follow at DB Show Notes, uh, you, can, uh, you can follow the show notes. But these are really great articles we work on. It's called uh, Trump's Top 10 Achievements for 2019 by Steve Cortez, Real Clear Politics. Uh, Bongino.com slash newsletter. If you'd like to subscribe to our newsletter, we really appreciate it. We'll email you know, these articles every day. Some of the things he talks about that are important because we have a 2020 election coming up and you need the material to go out and advocate for our cause. Listen, folks, the do matters. Action, action matters. Talk is cheap, okay? If you're not willing to go out and knock on doors and advocate and be an activist in the 2020 election, you just want to be a bystander. Listen, I'm not going to knock you for it. People leave busy lives, but I'm sorry. We're getting ready to lose our country here to these police state Democrats. It's time to do something. Even if you go knocking one day or sign waving or whatever it is or donate a few bucks here, it all matters and it all adds up. You know, go get involved in your local Republican club, your conservative club, a local movement, a Tea Party club, whatever it is, this stuff all matters. But you're going to need the material to make a conclusive case in the 2020 election that the Trump administration is better going forward than any of our Democrat alternatives. So here's one of the achievements, obviously, that matters. This is uh, number one, the jobs. Listen, the job scenario has never been better. Steve Cortez does a great job here. I'm just going to point out a quick part of this that matters. It's not just folks that the jobs report revealed, quote, a plethora of records uh, and extended the wage growth winning, uh, uh, the wage growth winning streak to 16 straight months uh, a, above a 3% pace. So Mark's seen only in three months during the, uh, during three months during the sluggish Obama years. Gosh, I said that wrong. Basically, the Trump administration has been kicking butt on jobs nice. for 16 straight months. This is the important part. In addition, the fastest wage gains now flow to those groups that formerly lagged badly in the slow growth Obama years. For example, the lowest 10% of earners, folks, that is the lowest, the, the, the poorest among us saw income growth at an astounding 7% rate over the last year. Similarly, those without a high school diploma welcomed 9% wage acceleration in 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, this thoroughly completely eviscerates the stupid Democrat talking point that income inequality has grown under Trump. It has shrunk under Trump. It grew under President Obama. The Trump administration, the largest wage gains, again, this is only if you believe in facts and data, which many of you on the liberal side do not. The largest wage gains were amongst the poorest among us. Largest, smallest, in other words, 
the supervisory uh, group of folks aren't gaining as quickly as the people who are working on the front lines. That didn't happen under the Obama years. That's an important point. Liberals keep making it up. These hapless candidates keep lying. Buttigieg, they're not feeling it. They are feeling it. It is the people in the lowest income categories whose incomes have grown the most. What is this? Is this hard to figure out? Of course it is, because liberals love to lie to you. Secondly, minority support has grown dramatically. Ladies and gentlemen, President Trump yeah. is making dramatic gains in the minority community. This is not to be sneered at. We saw, of course, President Trump on one poll upwards of 30 percent of black voter support, which would be a record. But according to the piece here, for example, a recent CNN poll in deep blue California reported 32 percent support for Trump versus current Democratic frontrunner Joe Biden. Similarly, recent polls by The Hill and Emerson showed Latino approval for the president nearly 40 percent. Folks, it's difficult to overstate the importance of this kind of minority support, both for politics and more importantly, for the overall cohesion of our society. Well said, Steve Cortez. Ladies and gentlemen, if Donald Trump gets 40 percent Latino support and anywhere, even in the vicinity of 25, 30 percent black support, I'm telling you right now, this election is over. There is simply no math for the Democrats to win under any circumstances. We'll see. I'm not in the predictions game. I'm trying to get out of that. But a tremendous achievement nonetheless. We had the USMCA, of course, Japan and Korea trade deals. Um, another one from uh, Mr. Cortez, judges. Uh, listen, uh, we've spoken about this often on the show, but it's been a historic pace of judicial confirmations. Trump in 2019 secured his 50th federal appeals court judge in only three years. Yeah. Compared to 85 for President Obama over eight years. He has totally Trump remade the federal judiciary into an originalist constitutionalist branch of government, which may, according to Steve, and I agree, create President Trump's most enduring legacy. Folks, this is real. These are real tangible results. Jobs, trade deals, minority support federal judges adhering to the constitution uh one without the did the remain in mexico policy was a big success president trump instituted this policy if you want uh, uh if you want asylum you have to remain in mexico which has severely stemmed the tide of people coming into the country illegally and finally a big one that often goes unnoticed ladies and gentlemen the explosive growth of the petrochemical business in the united states we are now an exporter of natural gas Quote, early in the Trump presidency, America became a net natural gas exporter for the first time since the Eisenhower administration. Folks, this is huge. It's produced 500,000 new factory jobs under President Trump. In addition, American energy dominance benefits the geopolitical security of the entire globe. Why? Because we don't have to rely on the death to America crowd anymore. We're actually exporting yes. petrochemicals now. That's how much of it, but this is a big deal. This is a huge deal. Nice job. These are real, tangible, put your hands on them, material results that we should be able to use in 2020 to advance the case that President Trump and his administration are the better choice going forward. It's a great piece. Obviously, we just covered a few. There are a few more in there in the interest of time. I didn't, I covered the highlights. But Steve Cortez's piece, worth your time, Real Clear Politics, be in the show notes again today at Bongino.com. Uh, also, we'll highlight it at BonginoReport.com, which is a separate website. It's your conservative alternative to the Drudge Report. We appreciate it if you make it your homepage and check it out daily. Uh, Matt's been doing a great job keeping it updated with fresh content. BonginoReport.com. 
BonginoReport.com. It is the real alternative for conservative news out there. Okay, uh, moving on. Speaking of natural gas, the energy industry, how many jobs it's created, the wealth it's created for this country, Mm -hmm. it's decreased our reliance on the death to America crowd. This has been a net, net, net positive everywhere. Uh, Hapless Joe Biden, who can't seem to get out of his own way. Here is a clip of Joe. (laughs) Joe Biden. Again, this guy just talk about a guy who steps on brakes everywhere he goes. Talking about not only not keeping the energy winning streak going in the United States show, but actually jailing. I'm not kidding. Listen to this clip. This is him himself, Joe Biden. Jailing energy executives in the United States for the sin, I guess, of producing affordable energy what? for the American people to build their economy. Check, yeah, check this stupidity out. This is hard. You have to set sort of guide rails down now. So between the years 2021 <laughs> and 2030, it's irreversible, the path we've set ourselves on. And one in which is doing away with any subsidies for fossil fuels, number one. Number two, holding them liable for what they have done, particularly in those cases where you're underserved neighborhoods and you, you know the deal. Okay. And by the way, when they don't, when they deliver, put them in jail. That's what I've I'm not joking about that. What? And notice, Joe. Yeah. He has to highlight in the end that he's not joking. Yeah. You know, these people are serious, folks. So energy executives who, again, produce the energy used to put this show on, used to feed your kids, transport them to school, light and heat, or put the air conditioning on in their schools, wherever you may live. The heat you use to do everything, to develop the pharmaceuticals to save your life, to keep the hospitals humming. The energy you use to fuel your everyday life and the highest level of prosperity in human history. Joe Biden wants to put those people in jail. This is sick. I don't even, it's his words, folks, not mine. It's a crime. Hat tip, Tom Elliott, by the way, his Twitter feed's always a good source of great video. I I don't know what to tell you. And thanks to Joe for cleaning it up. It was, the sound was off. That that sound you heard was a producer Joe product. Thank you. Yeah, the sound on this is not so great. So nice work on that. Thanks, man. But this is serious stuff. Again, I'm just going to let his words speak for himself. That is Joe Biden, the leading candidate for the Democrat nomination. Not only suggesting that the Trump administration's successes with energy production, exports, and manufacturing in the energy space for a growing economy are a bad thing, that we we should potentially go full Cuba police state and start throwing people in jail, um, North Korea style. And people clapped. And people (laughs) clapped. Yeah. (laughs) They love it, Joe. They ate it up. Could you believe that? That's a good point. I didn't even notice that at the end. I was so focused. You're right. Yeah, Joe, baby. Yeah, lock them up. Jail, baby. Oh. Jail. Kim Jong-un style. Bingo. They go, they're, they're probably sitting there, the people with the parted Kim Jong-un hair <laughs> and the big forehead. Maybe sitting with their, with, remember the suit, the, the, the thing he wears, the black yeah. thing? With the, he wears Kim Jong-un, with the, it looks like a ninja suit or yes. something. You know that thing he wears with the buttons down the middle? They're all probably sitting like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. My, I can't even hit my chin. Much love. Oh, oh my dude. gosh clapping for this. This is is just really disturbing where we're going as a country. Speaking of which, California, always an example of what not to do anywhere. Here's a story by the Daily Signal, be in the show notes. Uh, The title of the story is California's latest act of idiocy, killing freelance work by Jared Stepman. I'm going to change this to the headline to California screws its own citizens again. (laughs) That should be the real title. So we've been talking about this story often. It's a shame. 
Yeah. It's a shame because it just speaks to why you'd want to live in this dreadful, awful, horrible state. Um, it, it is beyond me. And the sad thing is I love California. It's beautiful. And people have always been nice. Yeah, and the weather's amazing. The politicians have ruined that place. So long and short of it is California in an effort to attack Uber and Lyft. That's all this was about. Put, put together a law that basically destroyed any kind of freelance work. They wanted to recategorize Uber and Lyft drivers as employees, which they're not for Uber and Lyft. They're not employees. I'm sorry. A guy or a woman who maybe some would be, but most of these Uber drivers, it's, it's the gig economy. They drive on the weekend. They drive at night for a few extra bucks. They're not employees of Uber. So in an effort to do that, California essentially put out of work writers, freelancers, and just about everyone else mm -hmm. because, again— Liberal planners never really, they can't plan because that's the whole essence of why socialism fails. Liberals couldn't plan the price of a baseball card because human beings are unpredictable. So the efforts of government planners have always failed. So here's a, a snippet from the piece that talks about how now they're not hiring writers out of California because these companies don't have the money to categorize freelance writers as employees because they're not. So a guy says, this guy, David Swanson, a San Diego writer who was the president of the Society of American Travel Writers, he said, hey, if I'm a publisher from outside a state and I have a choice of hiring a writer from California to do a job or someone from Colorado or Texas or Canada or India, and I'd have no choice but to be sued otherwise, why do you think I'm going to hire? Well, who do you think I'm going to hire? AB5, that assembly bill in California, simply makes it unattractive to hire writers from California. Again, folks, you just live with a bunch of morons. I'm sorry, talking about the politicians there. You know, and I get a lot of emails, to be candid. These are not, it's not necessarily my having lived in two blue states, deep blue, New York and Maryland. Joe lives there now. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of good, lot of good people there. Sure. Um, Maryland actually has a Republican governor, two terms now. I lived in New York where there was a three-term Republican governor, George Pataki, because people got tired of it. But I get an email and it reads like this. I get it probably once or twice a day when I cover a California story, maybe more. People say, again, it's not my words. This is their, the gist of their emails. Screw the Californians. Why do you care about them? They voted for this crap. They deserve it. Folks, they didn't, okay? California is, has a population of, of, of tens of millions of people. There are mil literally millions of people. There, there are I would venture to say, Joe, there are more conservatives in California than exist in some smaller conservative states in total. I, I would that's, agree. Yeah. That's I don't even think that's a difficult Just math equation. Of population. Sure. Yeah. You have a population of, of what is it? What's the population of California? Uh, I don't even know. 40, 50 million. I have no idea. Huge. You got to figure in California, there's probably 15, 20 million conservatives. The entire population of Florida is only 27 million. Mm -hmm. Is it 40 million? Thank you. Yeah, see, that was a good guess. Thank you, Paula. See, mm -hmm. She's not the researcher. She's the video producer over there. Ben, she's even doing research. There, they? Where's many hats on this show? I'll leave that joke for another day. I didn't say it's 40 thing. million in California. So let's just say, <laughs> let's lowball it. There are 5 million, let's say 5 million California conservatives. Folks, these are our citizens, too. They believe in what we believe in. Right. They don't deserve any of this. They didn't ask for this. They knew this stuff would be a disaster. It's our job to fight for them, too. I lived in Maryland, where Joe is now. There were great conservatives in Maryland, some of the best people I ever met. We nearly won a congressional seat in Maryland. We won the damn thing on Election Day, lost on the absentee count five days later. And it seemed we had no business win uh, winning or even coming close on. 
People do care. They deserve our attention too. I appreciate your emails and I understand your frustration. But I, if you can and you have the ability to get out of there, I can't tell you with a straight face not to. I can't. But some people can. A lot of those conservatives have businesses there. You know, they're being attacked ruthlessly. They matter. They matter too. All right, I wanted to leave you at the end of the year, our, our last show of calendar year, obviously 2019. <laughs> there will be no show tomorrow, by the way, folks, on uh, New Year's. Uh, Joe, Paula, me, we're going to take the day off uh, tomorrow. All right. Um, and if I can give you a little inside baseball, it's only fair because the shows are, you know, we the audience is always down a little bit. And I feel like if I have good material, I, I have no problem working every day. Me and Joe didn't yeah. take a day off for four years. I just feel like a lot of people miss it. And then I have to go back and double back on Thursday. And it's a lot of time. So that's why we do that. It's not like we're trying to avoid you tomorrow. But there'll be no show. We will be back on Thursday and Friday, obviously. And Friday, we have that interview, a big one, with Rudy Giuliani. It'll air Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon-ish. You're not going to want to miss this one, I promise. I'm looking forward to it, former Mayor Rudy Giuliani. But I wanted to leave you with kind of a funny story at the end of the year. Joe, you haven't seen this, right? Because there was no video, so you don't know what's going on? No, I don't know what you're going to do. Okay, cool. Because this is a good one. So we're talking about California. Look at this story. San Francisco dogs begin bagging people's poop. (laughs) Holy, it's that bad? We have have curb your people? Now, listen, obviously the story's a joke. It's at the Babylon Bee. (laughs) Folks, it's hysterical. I read this headline. I thought to myself, how bad is it in California that that story, however satirical and funny, that dogs are now curbing the people pooping in California and San Francisco. How sad is it? Why is that Joe? Why is any joke ever funny? Uh, because there's an element yeah, of truth. Exactly. The only reason that headline's even funny is because people are thinking, you know what? If dogs were sentient beings that had IQs like you, they would be curbing the human poopers. They'd be walking around. Remember the newspaper bags? If you ever curb your dog, people yeah. would take them with the newspaper bags and you scoop it and throw it in a bag. You know, they tie it up and throw it in the garbage. Dogs would be walking around behind people with people. What do they have? The pooper scooper? They'd have the people scooper. They'd be scooping up behind their humans. The only reason that's funny, I never do these stories, but this is what I had to do, is <laughs> because... It's sad. It could be true. If we had like a Planet of the Apes moment where some like gene got inserted into dogs, dogs would be walking around like, gosh, these humans are disgusting. They're pooping all over. Can somebody, they would be drafting. They had AB5, the law against Uber. AB6 would be a curb your humans law. Be behind people with like, here, buddy, here in the bag, in the bag now. (laughs) So pathetic. That's the only reason any of that is even mildly humorous is because it's true. People are pooping all over the street, streets of San Francisco. It's just gross. Oh, my gosh. Liberal chaos. If you're going worse. to San Francisco, be sure to take some toilet paper there. Yeah. Please distribute it on the streets. Goodness. Some handy wipes or something. My gosh, it's gross. They have maps of San Francisco. I, How I you can navigate that. around yeah. that. Human waste. The pins. Gross. Oh, folks, on a very serious note, that was a funny story. Thank <laughs> yes. you. I know I speak for Joe yes. and Paula and everybody else for a really terrific 2019. Just to give you some perspective of what you did. What we do now in a day, downloads on our audio show, viewers on our YouTube video show. What we now do in a day, it took us basically about four or five months just last year to accumulate in one day. That's true. That's how many, that's how much this show has grown. The listeners and, and, and viewers, 
we did in a day. Uh, I mean, in months, we now do overnight. That's how much you've spread the word in this show. So thank you so much. It means the world to us. I hope 2019 was great for you. We will see you on Thursday. Producer Joe, have a happy new year. You too. And and uh, to you all out there, very happy and healthy new year. Thanks, buddy. We'll see you all on Thursday. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.